Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside my parents' basement, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Mancano. Of course, the Mass and All Access Podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Thanks so much for hopping on. We appreciate you listening from wherever you are. We hope you're safe. Hope you're healthy. Hope you're with your family. And we hope you're staying sane during this crazy time. Got a good podcast for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to Tim Corbin, who's Vanderbilt's head coach. And he's the head coach of Austin Martin, who is a potential number two overall pick in the MLB draft. And of course, the Orioles hold that number two overall pick. Vanderbilt has had some incredible talents come through. Walker Bueller, David Price. And of course, Tim Corbin has been the coach there since 2003. So hear his insight on Austin Martin and whether he could fit in to the Orioles organization. Later on, we're also going to have Buck Britton, a conversation that I had with the Bowie Bay Sox manager down in Sarasota in February. He was talking a little bit about his experience in spring training and some of the young guys who could be coming up through the Orioles system within the next few months. So stay tuned for that. But we're also going to have Bowie Bay Sox broadcaster Adam Polon to discuss our 20 in 20. Zach Lowther and Michael Bauman, he's going to give his take on those two. But first, let's get... The thoughts of Austin Hayes on Michael Bauman. Hayes and Bauman were teammates at Jacksonville back in the day. Here's what Hayes had to say about the big man, Mike Bauman. He's just a silent killer. <laughs> the nicest guy ever. Always doing the right thing. Outworks everybody. First one at the field, last one to leave. I mean, you look at the guy. He, he looks like he should be playing defensive end for the Ravens. <laughs> Yeah, he puts kind of baseball uniform. He's out there on the mound, and he he's just intimidating. But little do you know, he's the nicest guy ever. Scouting report: He's got the heaviest fastball ever. You don't want to play catch with him; it's going to hurt your hand. <laughs> and if you need it, if you need him to break in a glove for you, just go play catch with him for five minutes. He'll be broken in pretty quick. He's got a heavy, heavy fastball. Every time I see him, he looks like he's grown another three inches and put on another thirty pounds of muscle. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I think it's just because his hair is getting longer, so he's getting some more flow. It yeah, yeah. adds a little bit to it. I think my favorite thing about Mike is that he shows no emotion on the mound. <laughs> like, if he's given up seven runs in two innings or he's gone out and he's throwing a no-hitter in the top of the ninth, you can't – he's just stone cold. That's why I said he's a silent killer because you just don't know if he's doing good or bad. He's, he's just focused on the next pitch, and he just doesn't let anything get to him. I love that about him. Now we bring in Adam Pohl, who is the broadcaster of the Bowie Bay Sox, who joins us via Zoom. Adam, thanks so much for hopping on in these strange, strange times. <laughs> yeah, Paul, I mean, it is, it, it's really a, uh, obviously a surreal time for us in minor league baseball, but all throughout uh, the, the sports lexicon, per se. So uh, <laughs> happy to be doing something. You know, more normal here and talking to you. Really happy to be with you today. Yeah, and a couple guys that uh, you covered extensively down with uh, in right. Bowie. Two pitchers that we got in, as our 20 and 20s. 
Uh, let's start with Mike Bauman, the guy who joined the team midseason, and he made a pretty strong first impression. Within his first five appearances, he already had a no hitter under his belt. He's a huge, <laughs> he's a huge guy. He's six four, intimidating on the mound, but from the conversations I've had with him, he seems kind of like a gentle giant, just a really calm, great demeanor, and he had a lot of success in Bowie with you guys. Yeah, really exciting year for Bauman. And uh, to look a little bit more inside the lines, you know, he's a big power pitcher. And with what the Orioles have done in their new pitching program and such, Bauman really jumped in his velocity. Something that you look for, you know. Uh, the Bay Sox had a great group of pitchers last year. You could argue it might even be the best uh, rotation in franchise history. And and that's going back almost three decades as far as the depth of the rotation and everybody that went through Bowie, uh, including guys like Hunter Harvey and Dylan Tate, uh, that had more success out of the bullpen that had been previously starters at the AA level. So when you look at Bauman, of all the guys uh, that were starters last year in Bowie, um, you know, for the majority of the year, Bauman is the guy that's got the biggest arm. And, and that's something that, that people look at because obviously if he's able to hone uh, what he brings to the plate uh, and to the t- table as a pitcher that's big. Uh, you know, he's a guy that throws a mid-90s fastball, and his slider was right around 90 miles an hour. So those two pitches are outstanding, and when you see that people say that Bauman might profile more as a reliever, it's because he has two very good pitches, and that's what they are. And that really sets up to be a great relief pitching profile. Uh, but he's been working a lot on his change up. Uh, and I think that if he is able to make that even an average pitch, it can keep more hitters off of his fastball. Uh, he can give guys different looks and be able to go through the order a few times. So I, I know that's what the Orioles are hoping for, even though he might uh, be a guy that right now could go to the major leagues and give you, uh, you know, a strong seventh inning, uh, you know, every other night. And, and if he was in the major leagues right now, that's what he'd be doing. I would guess, um, the Orioles are, are looking to develop him, and and he developed. He really grew as a pitcher last year, and the hope is that that growth continues and that in a few years you'll see Bauman as a staple in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask exactly when you think he might be up. He is a little bit on the older side. He's 24 years old. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't get the call up to spring training camp, to big league spring training camp, like some of his counterparts in Alex Wells and Zach Lowther. Where do you think, say, 2020 was a normal season? Do you think he would be starting 2020 back with you guys in Bowie, or do you think he would already get the call up to Norfolk to start a normal season? I, I, I think he would have been in Bowie, and that's not saying anything negatively against Bauman. Bauman, when you look at a lot of the other pitchers that were in Bowie last year, like Lowther, Wells, Kramer, and the like, uh, Zimmerman, um, you know, those are guys that pitched an entire season double-A before they went up to triple-A. So an entire season is about 28 starts in the minors. And I think that Bauman made fewer than 10 in Bowie last year. So even though he had great success, I would have expected him to start in Bowie and to have a really good chance at going up to Norfolk, you know, sometime in the May, June uh, time period. You know, you look at it last year with Bruce Zimmerman and Dean Kramer. They both pitched very well for the Bay Sox late in 2018. And some people are like, oh, why are they returning to Bowie in 19? But they had not had many double-A starts, and they spent two-thirds of the year with the Bay Sox before going up to Norfolk 
you know, kind of in that July, early August time period when you look at both of them. So I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, if that would have been the profile for Bauman this season. Yeah, 13 appearances in Bowie. Uh, 11 starts at 2.31 ERA. He actually had an ERA a run and a half lower in Bowie than he did to start the year in Frederick. So great stuff from Mike Bauman. Let's switch over to Zach Lowther, who's a year younger. He's 23 years old. He's the Orioles' number 10 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. Uh, Former strikeout artist at Xavier, and he has brought his strikeout ways to up into the Orioles system and boy, he was racking up the strikeouts and was really solid at the top of, you mentioned a historic rotation for the Bay Sox. Yeah. Zach Lowther is going to be a lot of fun to watch because he's a guy that really has an outstanding feel for pitching and an acumen for how to attack hitters. Uh, He has a belief in what he does. Uh, But the interesting thing is, you know, he's a left-handed pitcher, And the only knock about him, the reason why he's not even higher on that list, because he's been dominant in the minor leagues. His numbers have been outstanding. The only reason is because, you know, he's a left-hander that is not going to touch the mid-90s. You know, that fastball is going to be around 90, 91 miles an hour. I still think there's a chance for Zach, though, to pick up a few more ticks. You know, kind of like what we saw with John Means. Uh, Means was in the minor league. The, The difference, though, is that Means was a pitcher that really struggled once he got to double A and it took him, you know, a long time to, to kind of figure uh, or be able to excel at that level and, and then be able to make the big jump. And Lowther, when he got to double A, uh, was basically just at a higher level than, you know, in Giants was when he got to double A, even though they had somewhat similar profiles as a pitcher. Lowther, the big thing that stands out, you hear this talk all the time now when, when discussing pitchers, uh, even five years ago, I, I wouldn't even know what we were talking about. But but he is a very high spin rate fastball pitcher. So what you're going to see is that Lowther gets a lot of strikeouts, and he does it. He only throws, once again, 90, 91 miles an hour, but he gets a lot of strikeouts with his fastball. And he does so. We saw this a lot at the big league level last year as well. But you get ahead in the count, and then you might throw that breaking ball down, and the next pitch is that elevated chest high or just above the belt fastball, change the eye level, get that swing and a miss. And we saw a lot of that from Lowther last year. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that impressed me is that in April and May, Lowther didn't look very good, but he was still putting up pretty good numbers. It just wasn't that impressive. You know, he, and he was struggling. He was still finding a way to, to bear down and get that big out when he needed to. And then late in the season, he really, really shined. So – be very interesting I, I guess the only question on Lowther is obviously he's the type of pitcher that's been able to run through the minor leagues but is this stuff good enough to be able to replicate what he's doing in double a right now at the major league level that's going to be very interesting to watch yeah you mentioned that high spin rate uh scouts uh from what i've read have also noticed he's got a low uh, release point which helps make that fastball invisible and makes it look like it's coming in a whole lot faster than it is. You have Lowther, you have Bauman, you have Alex Wells, you saw Dean Kramer. All of these guys, I mean, have a chance to be in the big leagues within, if this were, you know, if 2020 were a normal season, within the next year and change. Who do you think of the group that you saw in this historic buoy rotation in 2019, who do you think has the chance to get there the soonest and make his major league debut before anybody else? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a really 
I don't want to put you, you know, on the spot here. <laughs> he was a 2018 pitcher, um, so he wasn't a part of the 19 rotation, but I would have put him in this era of minor league pitchers. But my guess would be Keegan Aiken would be first. He's another high spin rate guy. Uh, the three major spin rate guys, uh, you know, would be guys like Aiken, Dean Kramer. I think Alex Walls has it too. Walls is a guy that throws only in the 80s, really. I mean, touching 90 and then Lowther. Uh, but I think Aiken would be that guy. I think Dean Kramer has a real chance to be there quickly, you know, because he start, he finished the year in AAA. And Kramer just has a boxy about him. Uh, you know, most pitchers uh, are, kind of have a, a very chill, laid-back uh, aspect to them. Obviously, there are guys that can be very different when they get on the mound. But Dean Kramer's a fiery guy. And uh, I think he is so close, it wouldn't surprise me that with where the Orioles are, that he's a guy that would attack this year and be a big league pitcher this year. I think Aiken and Kramer have great chances to pitch for the Orioles uh, here in 2020. Yeah, I was impressed with both those guys. I've talked to Kramer a couple times. He was added to the 40-man roster, both those guys, uh, in the offseason. So they wanted to protect him, obviously, from the Rule 5 draft. That shows kind of how they value him as well. Well, Adam, thanks so much for hopping on. I know uh, people in Bowie surely miss the Bowie Bay Sox at this point, but, uh, and no one probably more than you at this point, but um, I mean, are you staying positive through these difficult times or what are you doing to kind of get through this uh, as we wait for baseball to come back? I'll tell you, it's been a surreal off season. (laughs) I'm somebody probably was traveling too much in my life. And uh, fortunately, was able to have our, my, my wife and I, our first daughter, uh, now uh, last year. Uh, she's, she's just over one year old. And uh, Mount St. Mary's, uh, I broadcast basketball in the winter, and they took me away from traveling with a team this year. Uh, so I did all the Mount men's and women's home games instead of just doing the entire men's season. So that kept me at home basically throughout the entire winter. And now uh, my wife is a physical therapist, so she's still working and our daycare is closed. So I'm literally taking care of uh, my our baby. So it, it's been pretty wild because I'm a guy that broadcasts a lot and usually travels a lot. But since last September, I mean, I, I, I've been at home. So it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty surreal, but it is also pretty cool to uh, get to build a bonds with my daughter uh, that, that if you told me, Last September, I'd be home this much. I think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and that's a good use of time. She's adorable. I remember you brought her into the press box <laughs> during uh, the Eastern League playoffs last year in September and introduced her to everybody on the beat. So that was that was a nice uh, <laughs> touch. So at least you're getting to spend that time there, Adam. Hopefully, yes, yes. <laughs> hopefully we get some kind of baseball back, and hopefully we get to see Bowie Bay Sox baseball back within the next however many months, at least sometime in 2020 would be nice. But thanks so much in the meantime for hopping on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. Thank you. We heard from the broadcaster. How about the manager of these two guys, Michael Bauman and Zach Lowther? That would be Buck Britton. I sat down with him in Sarasota in February. Here's our conversation. 
Joined now on Mass and All Access by Buck Britton, who is the reigning Eastern League Manager of the Year with the Bowie Bay Sox. Buck, thanks so much for sitting down here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Congratulations on the honor. Your first year in Bowie and you win Eastern League Manager. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was a crazy year, man. But I mean, you don't win that thing without good players and the uh, supporting staff. So it was, uh, it was a nice honor, though. Have you had some time to reflect on that season? You won 30 games in the first half, 46 in the second half. Yeah. Have you reflected at all on that season? Um, I had a little bit of time to do that. I, uh, I went to Baltimore more for a couple of weeks and then mm -hmm. after that season I went to the Dominican and was there for two and a half months but uh yeah once I had some time it was uh pretty crazy to think how where we started and you know where we were at the end and speaking of the Dominican you had some experience there as well as a player correct yeah, yeah. what was that experience like going back as a coach it was different it was it was nice that I had been there before to kind of know what that culture is about and how the games played down there what an opportunity I had um I went down there to be a bench coach and our manager was Jace Tingler who yeah. ended up getting the San Diego Padres job. That's so right. about 10 games in, I took over as the manager. And so I got oh, wow. a lot of valuable experience down there, yeah. There have been a lot of changes throughout the Orioles minor league system as guys start to move up. One guy who was added to your staff is Justin Ramsey, who was under Kyle Moore down in Thelmarva Shorebirds as the yeah. pitching coach. What do you know about Justin? You guys were up at Oriole Park at Camden Yards together. Yeah talking to fans, but what do you know about him as a coach and as a person? Well, I'm really getting to know him as a person, and he just seems like a down-to-earth guy. It, just another guy that, that seems to be who, who these guys are bringing in as a new staff. Egoless, it's all about the player. Talking to KMO, you know, he's super prepared. I saw, you know, the work he was able to help put in with those guys down there in Delmarva, and I'm excited to kind of see him go to work with at this new level. And now you are in Major League Camp, yeah. getting to join Brandon Hyde for the second year in a row. What does it mean to get that invitation to help work with these major leaguers. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, Hyder, he's been awesome since day one, since he's gotten here. Very welcoming. He treats everybody just like as if they're on his own staff, you know, in Baltimore. So it's uh, it's been awesome. It's a great opportunity and uh, looking forward to kind of get rolling. And there are some guys here in camp that you worked with when you were with the Bowie Bay Sox. You got Zach Lowther, Alex Wells, even Hunter Harvey for a little bit. In that instance, are you able to give Brandon Hyde and the Major League coaching staff a little bit of intel maybe on some of the guys that you work with personally? Yeah, um, you know, we have a meeting before uh, camp starts and we go over everybody um, and the managers and pitching coaches that had players um, last year, they, they kind of throw their uh, two cents in. I hope he, he, he takes my opinion, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, it's good, you know, and everything we have to say about these guys is positive and it's just, it's kind of cool to watch these guys go through, a lot of them their first Major League camp um, and know they were in Bowie with me last year, so it's cool. And I'm sure it helps them to have a guy like you, who yeah. they've worked with in the past in the coaching rooms. Have you had an opportunity to pick Brandon Hyde and the coaching staff's brain at all on how they like to run their camp? Yeah, you know, we talk all the time. That's that's the one thing. He's so approachable. I like to pay attention and see how you know how Cousins does the schedule and how Hyde likes things run and kind of the verbiage they use up here and just to kind of get a sense of what they want out of their players, and so I can go back to Double A and hopefully. Uh, get these guys going on the right path, and when they get up to Baltimore, it can uh, be a smooth transition. And just from my observations, it seems like Hyde incorporates everybody, every single coach who's here has some kind of job, and they're always doing something. Do you feel that way as well, that you guys are well incorporated here at camp? A hundred percent, and I think that's one of the, the coolest things, is that you know it, it seems like everybody's part of this. It doesn't matter where you're at, double-A manager, high-A manager, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everybody's a part of what the Baltimore's trying to do. Of course, Brandon Hyde, as a manager, worked his way all the way up through the minor yeah. league system. Does that kind of give you somebody that you can aspire to and, and look towards as somebody who really worked his way up 
to eventually become a major league manager. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of gives you, not hope, I don't know if that's a good word, <laughs> but to, to see somebody that's gone through the grind, yeah. played a little bit, and then worked his way through the minor leagues, I mean, that's ultimately, I mean, that would be a dream come true to get a, a job like that in the big leagues, but to kind of see all the different things he's done and um, how it's kind of molded him as a manager is uh, it's pretty cool. How much are you looking forward to your second season in Bowie? All the exciting young players are rising through the ranks very quickly. Yeah. Are you excited to get your hands on a new group of guys? Yeah, you know, that's that's the coolest thing. It's just, it's, it's the turnover, the constant turnover um, at any level. But uh, I, I really like that double-A level. I think that's where guys, it's a jumping off point for the, for the big leagues. And guys are really starting to uh, mold into the players that they're going to be. And then to see that transition for these guys, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, we're excited to see what you guys do in yeah. Bowie in your second year there. Justin Ramsey joining that coaching staff. Should be good things to come for the Bowie Bay Sox. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Buck Britton joining us here. Thank you so much. on Mass and All Access. Well, one of the biggest names in the MLB draft for the Orioles' number two overall pick is Austin Martin, and he played at Vanderbilt. Now we bring in Vanderbilt's head coach, two-time NCAA Division I baseball champ. That would be Tim Corbin, Vanderbilt's baseball head coach. Tim, thanks so much for hopping on. My pleasure, Paul. Thank you. So let's talk about Austin Martin because he is a very versatile, very athletic, uh, and exciting young player. Uh, what can you tell us first and foremost about how you were able to recruit him and bring him into Vanderbilt? He was drafted in the fifth round back in 2017 by the Dodgers, but he chose to honor his commitment to Vanderbilt. Why do you think he stuck with that commitment? I think he, he saw the, the challenge of coming to Vanderbilt, both educationally and athletically, as something that he wanted to do. Um, it wasn't a slam dunk, though, at the beginning because uh, – he was someone that wanted to play professional baseball too. But I, I think the more that we got in conversations and the more we talked about maturity and development, he kind of moved over into this direction. And when he was a sophomore, of course, you guys won the national championship. How important was he to that national championship team as just a sophomore? He's been very competitive player inside of our program since his freshman year. And I, and I think the, fact that we won the national championship during his sophomore year, even though he was a young person, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call him a young player. I, I thought he was a, a mature player. I think his competitiveness uh, certainly permeates through the group. Uh, he's a kid that that has played at a high level ever since he stepped on campus, which is very unusual because usually there's a, a growth spurt that has to take place. Not that he ha hasn't grown, but I felt like his maturity got him on the field very quickly and, and kept him on it for a long period of time. And he had a huge increase in power, uh, went from one homer to 10 homers. What do you attribute his increase in power towards? Is it just more playing time, or do you think that he was able to get something that uh, worked uh, the more he got uh, in, in, terms of your ex in, in terms of experience, rather? I think a lot of older kids or kids that mature in the game and, and grow older, the guys who can center the baseball, which he could do, seem to, to pick up more power as time goes on. They learn timing. Uh, they learn the strike zone. But I, I always felt like at some point in time that Austin was going to develop power. And I do think there's going to be another spike in power for him, kind of like J.J. Blade. I mean, they were both good hitters and they're, they're, they can get the barrel to the middle of the ball consistently, and it doesn't take them a long period of time to do it. And they do it against good pitching, too. But Austin has that knack for sure. So the power is not a, a surprise to me. It's not like he went off and 
put on 20 or 30 pounds. I think sometimes that can get overblown when you talk about power. But I, I think his ability to get to the middle of the ball and him understanding timing uh, was a key key piece of it. You mentioned J.J. Bladé. You've had a number of first-round picks over the years. Uh, Orioles fans, of course, will be familiar with Ryan Flaherty and Pedro Alvarez. Where do you think, in terms of the some of the great players that you've had over the years, where does Austin fit into that overall picture? Oh, he fits. I mean, I think if you just had that next level kid that's in your program and you think that they're capable of playing in the big leagues, Austin's that that person. I don't want to be a prognosticator and tell you that I this is going to happen to the kid, but uh, it, it's not going to be a surprise if he gets to the big leagues. I think we all, at this certain level, you, you start to understand what that looks like. Now, God willing, he stays healthy. Um, then I feel like he will get there. And, and I, I don't think it's going to take him a long period of time. He's a guy that catches on very quick and he's very confident. It's contained, but he's very confident. There's, 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 he just doesn't, He's never, this is not, not a moment or a circumstance that I've ever seen where it, it becomes too big for the kids. So I, I got a lot of confidence in him because he got a lot of confidence in himself. And of course, he had a lot of confidence on the base paths as well. He had 22 stolen bases as a freshman. Do you think he could be a legitimate threat on the bases at the next level as he enters pro ball? He's going to be a threat <laughs> because he. I think that the key to being a very good offensive player is being he's got several dimensions to, to his game. It's, it's a toolbox that you pull out a lot of different tools with what he can do. He's, he's fast, but he's more of an efficient mover. He, he's a guy that moves very, very well because his brain moves before his body does. He's very instinctual. And, and because of that, he, he takes very, very good risks on the bases. He's someone who's always playing forward and, you know, not just the fact that he can steal bases, but he's, he's moving bases from first to third, second to home. Uh, he's not waiting very long. If there's a hesitation in the defense, he spots it. He moves up. I think that's what makes him unique. He is a very good hitter, but he is a very good base runner. Uh, he's a base stealer, too. But the base running component, yeah, I mean, you've seen guys in your life or on – on TV, whether it's Mays or Clemente or Jackie Robinson, I feel, think of the older guys who are really good base runners. This guy can really run the bases. He knows what he's doing. That would be very exciting for Orioles fans, considering they've had a dearth of, of base dealers in the past decade or so. So to have some kind of guy in their system that has that ability, I think, could help a lot. You mentioned his versatility defensively. Where were you planning to play him a lot in 2020? And, and where do you think his best position is in the future, considering he can play in the infield and center field? He has the speed, the range, but where do you think he fits in the best? Well, we, we played him at third base here because that's what we needed him to do. He played every position on the field as a freshman with the exception of pitch and catch. And that's every position. And, it, it, and the unique thing about him is it didn't matter to him. Uh, you, he, he just wanted to play. Uh, and he played every position well. Now, looking at, a, at a, the prospects of a big leaguer, uh, I think he could play second base. Uh, I think he could play center field. 
Um, I get that question a lot. Is he fast enough to play center field? It doesn't matter if he's fast enough. He's instinctual enough. As I said, he, he's a good mover, and he's, he's moving ahead because he gets good jumps, understanding ball off the bat. He's moving before the ball struck. Uh, as I said, a lot has to do with his mind more than anything else, but uh, I, I don't doubt this kid at, at all. I can see him in center field. I could see him at second base, and if you said, well, he turned into a third baseman, I wouldn't doubt that either. I mean, I think this kid can play anywhere on the field. It's good to hear, especially for the Orioles, who have needs all over the diamond and could use as many good defenders as in, in as many positions as possible. Of course, the Orioles last year with the number one overall pick took, took Adley Rutschman. They have the number two overall pick this year. If you were a team and you had the ability, like the Detroit Tigers do this year, to take a guy with the number one overall pick, do you think Austin Martin would be deserving of that pick? Well, I would, but that's me. Um, and there's certainly a bias here because I've, I've coached him and I trust the mind. I trust the competitiveness of the kid. I mean, we're, we're right now we're locked in every Sunday night to watching one of the best competitors that ever lived. And I'm not comparing Michael Jordan to Austin Martin, but the thing that you understand about competitive kids is they get better in the environment and they know how to control their adrenaline. And not only that, they know how to command their adrenaline. And this kid knows how to command his adrenaline. Uh, he's just one of those kids that you put him in bigger environments and he plays better and better. And he pushes others around him too. I mean, physically and mentally pushes others around him to get better. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of pieces to this kid. And, uh, you know, when you start looking at baseball players in general, we just saw the NFL draft and, we, we see what safe stocks are. Austin Martin is a, a very talented kid, but he's a safe stock. You, you can bet on a lot of his talents, both mental and physical. So, yeah, for me, he is. Awesome. That's a, a very exciting scouting report to get, of course, from the head coach. And you obviously have had a lot of things thrown at you over these past couple months, as every coach in, in every baseball of every baseball team in America has. What kind of challenges are you anticipating over the next coming months and, and next year with the draft being now five rounds um, and a lot of guys expected to return to the game and I'm sure plenty of recruits coming in as well. What kind of challenges do you expect to face with the baseball landscape having changed as dramatically as it has? Well, I, I think it'll be a challenge for everyone. It's going to be a challenge for the kids themselves and we have to look at them because they're the people that get affected by any change that takes place. So a challenge for me, I don't worry about this. I, all I care about is meeting the needs of, of the players and, the, and, and satisfying the university more than anything else. But if we have our health, we can get through anything. This has just been a, a tough time for a lot of people, but I just recognize it as a, a, as a challenge where we can all get better from it in some shape or form. So uh, I just want to take care of our kids inside of our program as best as we possibly can. Uh, we'll work it out some way. If there's a will, there's a way. Well said. Tim Corbin, head coach of Vanderbilt, joining us here on Mass and All Access. Tim, thanks so much for hopping on here. Wish you the best in the future, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see Austin Martin taken in the top five, whether taken with the number two overall pick by the Baltimore Orioles, we shall see. But uh, can't wait for draft day and can't wait to see Austin Martin come off the board. All the best. I appreciate it. And all the best to Trey Mancini, too. That kid works out at our facility and 
I love that young man. You guys got a special one there, and I, I wish him all the best and it's an improvement to help. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, review, like, share, all that good stuff of the Mass and All Access podcast, which is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Thanks to Adam Pohl, Buck Britton, and Tim Corbin here on today's Mass and All Access podcast. Stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. There's only one way we're getting through this, and that is together. I'm Paul Mancano. We'll see you later.